An Instagram post gets an unexpected boost. A TikTok catches in the algorithm. Sometimes that's all it takes to launch someone into internet fame. But then what? This Blew Up is a new podcast documentary that reveals how social media stardom is made, from the glow-ups to the online drama to all those viral content houses. I'll show you how it all adds up to a new kind of fame. From the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Alyssa Bereznik. You can listen to This Blew Up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same game parlays, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem, call 100Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults, with 0 to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome in Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Jodzinski. And it's very rare that I get to start the show with somebody. It's even more rare that the person is usually teeing me up left and right. Now I get to return the favor. We only have one mic because I broke the cord like a <laughs> schmuck. What else is new? But the great Eamon McEnany is with us, my S.O.Y. compadre. Buddy, how are you? I am great, J.J. Happy to be on once again. Do you like this dynamic, by the way? We're getting up close and personal. We're going to become good friends after the Well, I was going to say, you guys cannot see this right now. Eamon and I are getting very, very cozy as we are getting ready to start this show because of me being a moron and me ended up snapping my cord. But all in all, Eamon, listen, happy Father's Day first and foremost. Thank you very much. Uh, good Father's Day weekend or not? Yeah, me and the family uh, went down to Washington, D.C., a little sightseeing trip, uh, take a look at some colleges, taking a Nats game, and obviously go see all the uh, Washington Monument, Jefferson and Lincoln Memorial. It was a beautiful day. So, yeah, it was nice to get no, out of Dodge. Um, I was going to say, no Notre Dame on the college tour yet, or they've seen it too many times? They have actually been there once. Their older uh, cousin was a uh, was a graduate there, so we went there uh when Daddy screwed up the vacation plans of someplace warm during February oh, nice. break, yeah. we went to South Bend in Chicago during February oh, break. Oh, Daddy absolutely screwed up those plans. Y- yeah, there was a mix-up. That seems like basically any screw-up of going for a New York sporting event for any of the teams over the last five or yes. six years, not named 2022. Right. I got to start here. Is it weird for you now, being at SNY, we're doing the shows every night, we've watched so much lousy Met baseball over the last eight, nine years outside of 15 and 16. Is it nice actually coming in and doing shows, talking about a winning team, for goodness sakes? Of course it is. I mean, you're not feeling the energy across the town yet, but you definitely feel it for the Met fan who's who's wanted this. You feel the impact of Steve Cohen as the owner. And, and even though he's on the DL now, which Scherzer has brought to this team, and there's a belief now. You look at that team now, and all the adversity they have faced already, they haven't folded. Uh, you know, sometimes when you go on social media, you, you you see the tweets and the posts. The Met fan, the cynical Met fan, expects the fold. They're not going to fold. They have Alonzo is too mentally tough. Lindor has come through in big spots. The lineup is a mature, proven team. It's not loaded. Don't get me wrong. It, you know, it's not loaded. The one guy they can afford to lose is Pete Alonzo. When he got hit on the hand the other night, uh, I guess it was like a week ago. You know, you definitely held your breath. 
But you and, and the other key part, obviously, I can't believe I was going to forget this, is Buck Showalter no, as the that manager. Change the entire so, field, of right? The you just so you don't. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Atlanta's going to get closer. The Phillies might make it interesting. And then once you get to the postseason, it's going to be very interesting to see how this new postseason works with so many teams. We're getting ahead of ourselves. But I think to back to your original question, there's an excitement. It, it's not the off the chart excitement if Degrom and Scherzer are going back to back every five days, but the fact that there's a competent baseball team that knows how to play and knows how to win is definitely exciting to be around. And they end up losing today. Bassett stays in for a bunch of pitches. Luga doesn't do the job. It happens. You're going to lose games like that. But doesn't it feel like the Mets and Yankees over the last couple of years were losing games like the one we saw on Sunday on repeat? Like the Mets were losing that game 20 or 30 times last year. The Yankees are losing a bunch of games where their bullpen ended up melting down. And I think a guy like Diaz, who's having the best year he's ever had as a Met, I think it speaks volumes that is coming under the tutelage of Buck Showalter. I don't think there's any coincidence with that. Now, you want to tell me it's, oh, he's been in New York now. He's been there. He's done that. But I think a guy like Buck finds a way to get the most out of certain guys on this team. And I think you've seen that with McNeil, where he's back to being the guy that he was. And I definitely think you've seen it with Diaz, who's in his own. Yeah, you know, I, I think McNeil is probably, I'd give more credit to Chavez. I think last year when they made the change, got rid of Chili Davis and went more analytical. One guy that impacted the most in a negative way was Jeff McNeil. I think Chavez, having a guy who's been a Major League Baseball player before and seems the approach is more about, you know, sort of the physical and being a hitter than the analytics works best with McNeil. And I think he's gotten back to what he was when he had that all-star year and not trying to hit for home runs and, and not worry about the shift. You, I don't, I'm shocked teams still shift against him now. Oh, but it's they idiotic. Do. I mean, yeah, the fact that they do it is nonsense. It's nonsense. But I mean, look, certainly Buck Showalter is a proven leader who has seen anything and everything in Major League Baseball, except the World Series. We know that. But so everything he says to a guy like Edwin Diaz has some form of credibility with it. But I also think it's confidence that he has been here for a few years and he's had confidence right off the bat uh, this year. Uh, he's had success, so he's continued. I mean, he's been dominant in some of his outings. That that one against the Angels when he, you know, got five strikeouts, he was dominant. He's been dominant at times. And then, you know, like any other closer, there's times where he's skating on thin ice. But he is a major factor. The Yankees bullpen, you know, outside of today ha has been has been lights out. So you're right. There, there are those games. I remember last year for the Yankees, we used to sit there on Geico Sports Night and say, is this the worst loss of the season? No, he said it like no, nine right. times. No, it was almost like it the Knicks this year. Again. Right, right. You still bring up the Angels game that you were at. I was <laughs> at that one. I was at the Red Sox one. Yeah. I was at way too many of these the games The Astros last year. right before the that's break. Why, that's why, like, today I can't even get worked up about the Yankees losing an 8-3 to three lead because I'm sorry, over the course of the season, number one, it's going to happen. Number two, it happened all the time last year. And when you're 30-something games over 500 and you're setting a pace that's currently better than the 1998 right. pace, how in the world can you complain? No, you can't. You can't. You just, you know, your guy Rizzo up there after a, already hit a home run and up there for a spot to retake the lead or tie it, you expect him to come oh, through. Oh, I thought he was going to get right. hit. We all did. Especially when Hicks, who you don't expect right, to get the hit, right. finds a way to keep the yes. game going. But, uh, no, yeah, obviously you can't be upset. You t if you said, you know, you, you know this whole line doing what you do, if I told you on Monday that you were going to go 5-1 and one against Toronto and Tampa Bay, Done. you'd say, where do I sign? Done. Right? So uh, it's almost, I think, with the Yankees, it might get a little boring because they have such a big lead and now getting to the playoffs with all the extra spots is going to be so easy. You know, it's almost going to be a whole new ball game because, you know, you look now, the Red Sox are playing well, right? We, we, we've written the Red Sox. a lot of games. Right. So we've too. written the Red Sox off. We've all focused on Toronto and Tampa Bay. If the Red Sox keep playing well, all of a sudden here you, we might wake up in October one day and it's a Yankees-Red Sox series. Well, and you know what would scare you from that dynamic? Two things. Number one, the Red Sox since 2004 have beaten the Yankees in every big game that has right. mattered. Number two, and it was obvious last year, it was obvious in a few of the games in the regular season, and it happened in 2018. Alex Cora has run circles around Aaron Boone in big games. No now doubt. listen, he's had better teams, maybe not necessarily last year, because I didn't necessarily buy in or believe in the Red Sox, and I kind of felt like he squeezed every last ounce of talent out right. of them. 18, they were clearly better. They went on and won the World Series. But those are two questions I think the Yankees would have to answer. Yep. That and the and the fact that they can't beat the Astros when it matters, too. Obviously. Yeah, but I mean, I think this year there's again, we all 
we all know that it's not even July, right? Like, if we're having this conversation last year, we're not talking about the Braves winning the World Series. No, if they we're having, under 500. Right, having this conversation in June of 2019, no one thinks the Nationals are winning the World Series. So the way baseball is now, and I may have gotten my years wrong, but I, I try to keep up, up to date. But um, Actually, I think you got them right, but that's yeah. okay. Uh, but the way baseball is played now with this massive postseason, that it's almost like the NBA where it starts all over again. And it'll be interesting to see now that because it's a, a new postseason format. But um, I just think, if the Yankees stay healthy, and with Stanton and Judge, that's always an if. I, I, the year they're having now, and that lineup they have, if everyone's healthy, that's a tough lineup to work through one through nine. I know it's top heavy, but still, it's it's a it's a tough lineup to work through. And I don't see them fading in the postseason if they go in healthy. Well, that's my question: Is this team better positioned for October than other teams they have had since 2017? And my answer to that question would be yes, because number one, their pitching has been stupendous. I think that they have Trevino behind the plate. I think he has made a world of difference with Montgomery, with Severino, with Clay Holmes. Like, yes, the analytics, the pitching department, they deserve credit for that. But even now, pitchers can go and say, hey, guess what? I can throw 99 in the dirt. I can throw the slider because I got a guy who I have confidence in that can catch the ball. I don't have to worry about that angle. I think that has helped the Yankees. And number two, the lineup is more balanced. The fact that you have a guy like Rizzo in the lineup split between Judge and Stanton makes the Yankees a better team. So to me, it's simple. They have to get to a World Series this year. Oh, go all the way around it. They have to go. But it's that every year. No, but especially now. Right, but I mean. if you don't go this year, then when are you going, right. for goodness well, sake? You're absolutely right. If you, if, you, if you can't break through this year when Stanton is healthy and have, I know he went on the deal. Judge point, having the best year of his Judge life. Judge having the best year of his life. Rizzo getting big hits. Glaber turning it around. DJ LeMahieu being DJ LeMahieu. Now, again, you know, you even have Trevino being an all-star. You know, guy I know. I made it. the case the other night. I think he is an all-star. I think he's an all-star. I don't think. I don't, I don't, well, I, the position sucks. That's part of the problem. But he's played like it. Oh, I really am on a podcast. Hits. I'm not on Geico Sports. No, you don't have to say that. I mean, we haven't even, I haven't even thrown an F-bomb out there, which I, I, I pick my spots on those, by the way. You have to really work those in creatively. This is true. We try but, to keep it as family and audience yeah, as we try. can be until you hear the voicemails. Then it's not so oh, family. Okay, okay. Keep I the kids away from those. Uh, Alex from Newark will uh, liven things up. But, uh, you know, look, again, everything's going right. Everything's going right. They haven't had to deal with the adversity that the Mets have for the most part. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the pitching. Again, starting all over in the postseason, it'll be something new for almost all of them. Outside of Garrett Cole, who's pitched in a big game in the playoffs. Severino's been there, but he doesn't really have a great history. You know, the, so... Even Holmes in the ninth inning. Exactly. If that's going to be a thing. I think it's going to be a thing. I mean, how can it not how be? The guy's got a point two ERA right. for yeah, goodness exactly. sakes. How can it not be? So, But Chapman's still going to have a role on this team. Of course he is. I mean, the idea... Unless like, we trade it, unless, unless they trade him to the Mets if uh, Phil uh, Seth Lugo's role. I, I, I wouldn't count on that. <laughs> no, but the Mets, the, the Mets need relief help. They do, desperately. And you saw that today on Sunday. You know New York City well. You've worked in New York City for a long time. Do you still think true and true baseball town number one? Sure. Absolutely. I, I baseball town number one, but when the Knicks are good, they the dominate. Knicks, yeah, I mean, again, I'm what the younger fan does not realize, because it hasn't been the case, is that back in the day, when the Knicks are good and playing meaningful postseason games. No one cares about baseball until the Knicks are done. I, okay, cares is a stretch, but the Mets. But they're not the dominant. They're not the force dominant story. Conversation. No, the Knicks are. They're not. The, yeah, when the, the Knicks are, and again, we haven't had this since '99. Like we saw it two years ago, but it was short lived. They're out of yeah. the playoffs in five right. games. They're out of the playoffs in five games. We had one year with Melo when they won 50 plus games and lost to the Pacers. But when you genuinely think your team can win a championship and they're playing teams you hate every other night, whether it's Reggie and the Pacers. Alonzo in the Heat, obviously Michael in the Bulls, that owns the city. And you wake up then on Memorial Day or Father's Day and really focus in on the baseball. Now, you know this, we're treating baseball games in May and April like it's September and yes, October. 100%. And that's different. It also now comes with pre and post game shows, social media, podcasts, every game being dissected. But, you know, in 96, Dwight Gooden pitches a no hitter, and most people were watching the Knicks get eliminated by the Bulls. It's crazy to think about it. Yeah. It's crazy to think about it. And that it. wasn't even a great Nick team. No, it was a Nick team that kind of got hot a little right. bit at the right time. Right. They won a series. That right. was right after the Don Nelson fiasco. Yes. I can't believe Don Nelson, by the way, worked his way into this podcast. If you had that on the bingo card, That's, that yeah. is a major, major winner. You, doing highlights. You grew up big Nick guy, big Yankee guy. If there's one like year where you were not doing highlights and you think about like the glory years of New York sports, where you say, man, I wish I was 
behind the desk. I, I wish I was Al Troutwig in 1994. I was going to say, was it 94? Well, or were you I mean, going to tell me 96 with the Yankees? No, well, I mean, 94. And, uh, you know, Al Troutwig is an amazing broadcaster. He could, he did and could do anything and everything they asked him. I mean, I go back to when he was a sideline reporter for ABC's big college football game with Keith Jackson. So when you get, when you're Al Troutwig and you're a New York guy who grew up on Long Island and you're doing the Rangers and the Knicks every other night during the regular season, then that playoff run, and then you go and cover a Buck Showalter managed Yankee team that would end up with the best record in baseball. That's right. right Before they were the on strike. MSG. They were on MSG. And he was doing the middle innings. He was doing the middle That's innings. correct. So 94, that, that spring into summer when the Knicks and Rangers went to game seven of the Stanley Cup finals and the NBA finals, there's nothing like it. There, there, was, there, there, there was nothing like it. And then the baseball teams were turning around. Obviously, the 96 was kind of a surprise. No one really, that team, uh, as great as it was. Well, no, remember, they lose Mattingly, retires. Right. And it was an unpopular offseason. That's what a lot Clueless of people Clueless Joe. Clueless Joe. They say goodbye to Randy Velarde, who everybody loved. Right. They say goodbye to Mike Stanley, who everybody loved. Right. They go and get Girardi, yep. who is this unknown from the Colorado Rockies. They're like, who is this guy? Right. Why is he catching? Uh, everyone wanted Tony La Rosa. And Tino did not get off to a great start at Tino first. Tino at first base. Right. And then all of a sudden, they just started winning. They just started and winning. winning. And, and winning and some they, more. And they never looked back. They, they started to fold, and then they made the Cecil Fielder trade, which a lot of people thought was going to ruin them because they didn't need a home run hitter, and it did the exact opposite. Oh, they, won't, they right. don't beat the Orioles. They, they don't, don't beat right. the Braves They don't beat the Braves. Them. He gets the RBI in, in the Andy Pettit one nothing game. 100%. Absolutely. Okay, I got to know, and I've never asked you this question, and it's a great one because when I see people on the street, they'll even do it to me from time to time because it's your claim to fame. How did the S-N-Y it kind of lends itself to it. You'll notice no, it. No, I love it. Right, but you know the way you say S and Y, yes. it's, it's, you, you can't just, it's, you, you have to say it with a certain cadence because it's not snide. No, you right? can't run through it. Right, you can't run through it. And you, if you notice, even Gary Cohen does it with a little bit of a drawn out. A little bit of a pause. A little bit of a pause. So, But I wouldn't think of that as Gary's thing. No, your thing. no, I know. But I'm just saying he doesn't scream it and punch it out like I do. I just sort of wanted to claim it. And to me, it's sort of, Hey, we are fired up for this show. We're just starting. Don't go anywhere. We are here on S N Y. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I do the I do the fist pump sometimes. Yeah. I never want to be the Charlie Steiner in two thousand three. <laughs> there are times where I like have almost like boarded it out. But it would be like Charlie Steiner trying to step on John with the Yankees when you the can, Yankees win. I wouldn't go anywhere near. I'm not putting myself there, but uh, or that moment. I'm but not going anywhere you can chime in one. if you want that to is, anytime. No, I'm, passing. I'm passing yeah. on that one. I'm passing on that one. Doing highlights now. Is it a different world totally from what it was 15, 20 years ago? Yes. Uh, the highlight, the emphasis of the highlight is has been diminished because. But that's not just that's a lot. No, across, no, yes, no, it's the, the no. It's the, I'll tell you, I'll let you know a little story here. So my son's uh, huge NBA fans. My younger son Quinn was is a huge Russell Westbrook fan. So uh, I used to tape the NBA TV nightly show, which highlight, you know, like baseball's quick pitch. They yeah. did. Uh, so I would DVR it for him. And one night, uh, Westbrook went for like 60 or triple double. He had some sick night. And I'm like, hey, Quinn, you want to watch the highlights with me? And he's like, yeah, I'm watching it right now. As he's oh, going through his no. Phone. Right. Now, is it you or is it just some random ESPN page that he just basically found? Oh, I think it was just some random NBA highlight page that he found that he's watching. But uh, so you have to. Uh, as a highlight reader, as a highlight editor, you have to make it very interesting and find a reason why I should stay around and watch the SNY highlights instead of where I can get them anywhere else. I still think there is a uh, market, for lack of a better term, or a want out there to have your highlights creatively read and creatively done as opposed to just looking on your phone where it's just edited clips from the game. No, because it's fun, especially when your team delivers or your right. team fails. There's yes. a... There's a personality exactly. to that that I, for one, as a fan, would be drawn to. Right. But you also want a, a, someone who knows what's going on with your team, like the Chris Bassett start on Sunday. Okay, this one, remember when he was full, uh, looked really bad, but he pitched great against the Brewers? You want someone who has a knowledge as much as you do feel. of your team. Cool. Yeah, and you're not getting that when you're just watching it on you know, YouTube. Was there a guy for you that kind of was your your inspiration? Oh, well, of course, as a kid, it was Warner Wolf and Jerry Gerard. I mean, I, I mean, I'm old, so I go back to the pre-ESPN days uh, where, you know, Warner Wolf 
the three, four minutes watching him, that was your guy. Jerry Gerard, I found later in life on uh, Channel 11 was hilarious as well. So yeah, I get to watch him earlier. Um, and then, so those were the two guys. Like when I said I wanted to be a sportscaster, I thought Warner Wolf and Jerry Gerard. And don't get me wrong, I'm not putting myself in that category. But, you know, sort of the guy who's going to do sports and do it well, but also have fun with it. Make fun of the weathermen, cheer everyone up and uh, call it a night. So that's, you know, and then when uh, out of college, I had a chance to be a production at ESPN. And you're working with all of them. Dan Patrick, Keith Olbermann, Chris Berman, John Saunders, and you're watching all their different styles, and you're like, all right, that's what I want to do. Who is the guy there when you're coming up in a business, you're a PA, who is the guy you're like, man, I want to stay away from this dude. I don't want to go. Who is like the – I shouldn't even phrase it that way. Right. Actually, I'm going to phrase it differently. My mistake. Who is the guy that, like, you couldn't wait to meet? Well, Berman is the Berman is the Mick Jagger of uh, ESPN. I can see that. or the Paul McCartney since you just went to the oh, Beatles show concert. I mean, he, I hope you enjoyed the video. I did. Uh, so when I started, he was not around because I my first day was the Super Bowl. So he was out at Minnesota, and then after the Super Bowl, he gets like a long vacation. So, but that first baseball Sunday where he's in for baseball tonight, and you, you've never met him before, and he's dropping a back, 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 uh, back, back. He, but then he just takes over the newsroom. Uh, you know, he's, he's it's like you know. Uh, uh, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, the guy from Fast Times at Ridgemount High. Really? He comes, he goes to school here? I thought they just brought him in for the games. Like, Chris Berman really works here. But, you know, they were all bobbly. You learned a lot from handing a highlight to Dan Patrick. John Saunders was so smooth. Such a great guy. Um, so you learned from all of them because you were they were so good at their uh, at that job. Have you finally seen Top Gun? I have not. Oh, uh, you got to get that on the list. Uh, I, I know. know you got two kids. And Eamon, by the way, Loves the fact of being able to poke the bear anytime I'm like uh, drawing out the schedule. Hey, we're doing this. So maybe you're going to squeeze the golf round in. I'm gonna, maybe. It's like, it's like, well, no, I haven't been playing that much this year. I've been slacking. I know. And I think that's why my game has been slacking. I, that, that will do it. But the uh, the, soft, the SNY softball game followed by a round of golf is definitely a, Well, that was a hell of a Saturday, that's a, man. that's a good day. And let me tell you something. I was feeling it after softball. More <laughs> sore after softball than I was after the half marathon. That AstroTurf will do it to you. AstroTurf, quick burst, having a run for everybody. Yeah, I think that was at- the day I was going to go see Maverick and then it got away from me. Something happened. I you forget. Go see no, it. I will. I mean, you got to go see it. I will. So I, what, I, will be, what will be the McEnany rewatch tonight? So Eamon likes the movie after the after long show. Maybe with a Yingling mixed in. Maybe with a Yingling. Is there a movie mixed in tonight or not? Um, you know that I've I've started binge watching the show We Own This City about Baltimore. Oh, how is it any good? It's good. I mean, it's not. Wire it, vibes? Oh, complete wire vibes because of the cast and the people who do it. But it's a true story. So that I didn't realize when I sat down to watch it. My wife's like, let's watch this show. And I'm like, okay. And then I start Googling some of the guys in it. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is a true story. Uh, or based on a true story, I guess. But uh, the acting's great in it. Um, so That's uh, always the challenge, by the way. Do you watch the show? Do you watch all shows with your wife? Or do you have some that you watch on your own? Uh, I don't know. Is she listening? I just I was going to say, listen. No, we have, we have some we like to watch together. And then with my schedule, working five nights a week. And uh, I, she goes off. Well, that's the own. thing. Yeah. Like at nighttime, I like having like the Lakers show was like that for me. Right. And that was my right. show. I watched it when I wanted to watch it, and that was it. Yeah, so I did the Lakers show on my own, and then I'm a big Michael Connolly fan. And so he had two shows. On, uh, one's called Bosch Legacy, which was, uh, I forget what app it was on, because it moved from Amazon Prime. So I watched that. And then uh, The Lincoln Lawyer, I watched on my own. I heard good things about it's, The Lincoln Lawyer. It's good. Lawyer. I mean, if you like the books, if you like the movie with Matthew McConaughey, you'll like it. It's, 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 it's well done. Um, we got to get you on. We got to get your final thought. Laker, season one. Yay or nay? Yay. But, I mean, I still have we problems We talked with about it. the historical inaccuracies. Yeah. And listen, I'm too young for it. You, in many ways, barely remember. Bare, barely remember it. But so, like, I was just having a conversation with this with some college buddies who haven't seen it yet. And they're like, is it worth it? I go, it's worth it. Just don't feel like you're watching a documentary on the Lakers. I don't – I love the acting. Uh, John C. Riley, we all know. I mean, you see the – first of all, by the way, there are, like, four documentaries out on the Lakers right now. Do I really well, need to watch all of them? Apple the Magic, and there's one out on Hulu I've been seeing the commercials for. There's another there's one? There's another one. But anyway – I mean, they, talk about saturating the market. Right, but Shit. so, like, but they have clips of watching uh, – of Jerry Buss watching games. And I'm like, hold on a second. Is that Jerry Buss or John C. Riley? I mean, John C. Riley was amazing. He was – nailed it. Uh, and yeah. that's why the idea that, like, Farrell wanted the job. I he would have done a good job. There's no way he would have Well, been that's good. the way you look at it now. Farrell, I don't think he would have been as good. Probably wouldn't have – Farrell's pretty good. I mean, Unless, I have no problem right. with Will as an actor. Right. I just think John C. Riley nailed that He part. nailed it. He nailed, he it. nailed it. He nailed it. I don't it. know how you but it, it But it, as your boss will tell you on the rewatchables, when you go through and you say, well, you know, look, Tom Cruise wanted this part, but it went to Ray Liotta. You're like, I can't see Tom Cruise playing that part. Whatever, I'm making stuff up. But yeah. that's that's part of it. Um, the guy who plays Magic was great. 
I, I just thought it, it just kind of became comical with all the, uh, but it was, you know, like the red hour back scenes and all these scenes that, you know, you, well, I mean, whatever. So, but you just sit, do not go into it thinking you're watching anything historical. Just think, go into it, watching a show about basketball and you laugh. Amy McEnany, nightly on SNY. You co-hosted the start of the show. And I actually get to say, set you up and tee you up a little bit. It's yeah, it was nice. fun. It's good stuff. It's nice. I take a little of the pressure off. You carry me for a half hour on television, so it's the least I can do. Yeah. I think it's the other way around. You just you carry us. I just throw out uh, two questions, and you guys go and run. Yeah, and I guess. I mean, and I have to put makeup on, which is a story for a different day. Depends. When I'm working with Seth Edelstein, I have to carry you because we have to come up with a question. Well, I understand that. Listen, anytime, and I have to drive him home, so that oh, ends okay. up being a, a lesser of two evils. Thanks for doing this. Pleasure. Oh, great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, let me know when I can come on again. Well, you know, I do the shows here, so if you ever want to just pop in, you know, the, the, the pop in works. You, you should have told me. The pop-in is allowed. You shouldn't have told me that. No, but I, I give you carte blanche. The pop-in is allowed. That's right. We got voicemails coming up. Brazil are on the draft. Loaded show. We're coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day. I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right, folks, voicemail time. Hope everybody enjoyed their Father's Day weekend, of course. I, I feel like we're finally back in rhythm. The fact that we did the Wednesday show, it kind of threw me all out of whack because I'm like, man, I was itching for New York, New York. We didn't have Rangers this weekend. I feel like kind of out of my element a little bit. So now it's good to be back in my element. Anyway, 917-382-1151. Remember, we got a live on Tuesday after the baseball games, Thursday with another pod, and we're closing on the end of June. Hard to believe. All right, Stefan, let's hear him. JJ, so in Somerset, listen, two out of three from the Jays. Hard to hard to complain after that, but a little bit of a bitter taste in our mouths after the way, you know, today's game went. Got to take Aaron Boone to task a bit here. Um, haven't been able to do that much this year, but got to question his bullpen use here today. Uh, I know we were a little thin, but I understand the Castro move, bring him in gives up the grand slam what are you gonna do but he's got to come out right after the grand slam he leaves him in gives up a I think it was a double then wandy came in got spring around no harm no foul but to leave wandy in against bichette guerrero kirk the whole gang there i thought it would have been a good better spot for marinaccio obviously wandy gives it up and what are you gonna do but just goes to show you this team needs those guys back and needs lasagna back needs Chapman back, and you've been saying it all along. Is Aroldis Chapman going to be the closer? He is not. Obviously, Clay Holmes has solidified that role without a question of a doubt, but this team is still going to need Aroldis Chapman down the stretch to get big outs, and today would have been a prime example. He probably would have been in the Wandy role today. Not to say it would have went any better, but I like uh, I like Chappie stuff more than, uh, than Wandy. So, you know, two out of three, getting a game in the standings. All right, I'm out. Never going to complain about winning a series. And I have not done much bellyaching about Aaron Boone this year. Because you know what? The team has played at a high level. They have been far more fundamentally sound. And I think for the most part, he's done a pretty decent job with the bullpen. Does Boone scare me in a big game? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. He didn't have a great Sunday. I thought he tried stretching out Severino way too long when it was clear Severino you know, kind of maximized what he had with five innings. You weren't getting much more out of him anyway. So after he puts that first guy on, I'm getting him out. I'm putting Castro in the game. That's a nitpick. I, I had no issue with Peralta pitching. He's been one of the Yankees' best relievers all year. He got burned. He got beat. Sometimes that's going to happen. You know, we haven't talked about many bullpen meltdowns, if any, this year for the Yankees. They're going to happen, folks, over the course of 162 games. You haven't had a bad loss like this really all year. I mean, maybe there's one or two that I could think of off the top of my head, but last year, these losses were par for the course. It's a good thing that they are not this year. Uh, I'm going to give the manager a little 
bit of a pass here. I think a lot of people are going to be thinking I'm getting soft in my older age, but it's tough to bellyache when the team is playing the way that they're playing right now. I'm sorry. It, it just is. It just is. Who's next? JJ, Phil from Bedford. I'm not worried about the Mets. They're winning series. They're taking two out of three. They're still, you know, five or six games up. But this bullpen needs to be addressed sooner than later. Right now, outside of Edwin Diaz, who can you really have any serious faith in? I mean, Drew Smith is good, but I still, in a big spot, I'm a little nervous with him the way he uh, falls behind hitters. And Seth Lugo, I mean, he is a dog. This is two years running now where anytime he's in a high leverage spot, he's prone to either walking guys or giving up bombs. I mean, I don't want to see him in any sort of high leverage spot in games that matter. Trevor May, I don't trust. Jason Shreve has fallen back to earth. Joely Rodriguez, who, you know, for two months was great against lefties, is now, you know, on and off. They need one arm, possibly two. I think moving McGill to the pen when he comes back from the DL solves a big problem and can be used in a high leverage spot. But uh, you don't want to take too long here. They got to, you know, in, in 2015, they traded for Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe kind of early, got ahead of things. And it helped out. I think they need to do the same thing with the bullpen here um, to address this before it becomes a big issue. Later. Excellent call, Phil. Excellent, excellent call. You nailed it on Lugo. I don't know what has happened to the 2019 version of Seth Lugo, but he is no longer that guy. He's had way too many flare-ups. He's had way too many issues over the last couple of weeks. Maybe he can regain form in the second half of the year, but outside of Diaz, you're right. There aren't a lot of relievers, if any, that you can trust in this Met bullpen. They will be active. They will add a reliever or two. I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that'll end up being the case. On the other hand, you also now need to get creative. And you brought up something that's very smart and astute. McGill going to the bullpen makes a lot of sense for this team when he comes back. Makes a whole lot of sense. Remember, at that point, you should have DeGrom and Scherzer back in your rotation if all goes well. Next. JJ, what's up, buddy? Chris from Springfield, Mass. I know you think I only call during football season for the Giants, but I'm a Yankees fan, too, living in Massachusetts. So, hey, man, repping hard. Yankees, clean, three-game sweep of the Rays. This team's rolling, firing on all cylinders. I love it. Rizzo is the freaking man. Um, Yanks, everything's good right now. They got to go get Ben Attendee at the deadline. We haven't won since 09. Cashman owes us this. He owes us this. Go get Benintendi short left field. Get Gallo out of here like you say. He's a stiff. I agree with you 1,000%. Go get Benintendi. Cashman, let's do it, baby. Let's go, Yankees. Let's go! I love the passion in Massachusetts in enemy territory, Chris. Listen, you know Benintendi has been a favorite of mine. Another name we should mention, to be fair, is Ian Happ who plays center field for the Chicago Cubs. And, you know, Rizzo, listen, how good has Rizzo been for the Yankees? The guy's on pace to hit 40-something home runs. He comes off the bench and hits a home run in Sunday's game. And when Hicks got the hit in the ninth inning, I got to be honest, I thought Rizzo was going to tie a win the game because that's how clutch he has been for the Yankees. He can't get a hit every time up. We understand that. He has made Judge and Stanton, and I know Stanton's in a little funk right now, but he's made them better players by his presence in the lineup and the leadership and the intangibles and all that he brings to the team. Rizzo is just a winning player. I'm very grateful and thankful he's a New York Yankee. Very thankful. You're seeing it with Gallo already. They sent up Trevino for him. How about Gallo on Friday hitting the meaningless home run when they were up eight runs? I mean, could you have called that from a mile away or what? Rizzo, winning player. Gallo, losing player. Case closed. All right. Last but not least, let's hear it, Steph. JJ, Sean from the Beach House in Belmar. After winding down some beautiful Father's Day festivities, and I uh, just wanted to ask uh, about the upcoming draft and Knicks. I know you were talking about Mitchell being a big goal for you in the offseason. For me personally, my number one goal is to try to move Julius Randle. I'm willing to take 25 or 30 cents on the dollar for Randle. The only thing I don't want back is, is somebody who can't stay on the court, essentially. I don't want to – you're going to get a contract back. I wouldn't want Gordon Haywood back. But I'm, I'm willing to take a, a flyer. Um, what, what do you think we can do to get rid of Randall, just move off the guy? I just don't think he's really good at adapting to what New York City needs. As good as he was two years ago, he just kind of 
failed time and time again to get it here, to really get it, what it means to play in New York. And I think somebody who has struggled elsewhere who might kind of be the opposite, who might be able to give you what Randall gave you that first year here, but continue to do it consistently down the line. Do you have any ideas of anybody, uh, even if you're trading for what seems on the surface like a far lesser player, uh, for somebody that could reasonably be moved to the Knicks in exchange for Julius Randle. Uh, thanks, man. Bye. Very tough predicament. Look, you nailed the idea of taking 20 or 30 cents on the dollar. It could be the potential of taking back an even worse contract. It may be the idea of enticing a team by giving them an asset that they like. I don't know if that's quickly. I don't know if that's topping. Like, that is what it's going to take in order to trade Julius Randle. Contract is awful. He's coming off a down year. It's going to be a tough, tough chore. So I hope they're able to do it. I'm fully on board to say it's a given that they're going to be able to do it. Mm. Easier said than done, my friend. Easier said than done. But it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for the New York Knicks. First with the draft, can they go big game hunting in this NBA offseason? Can they change the look and the feel of this team between now and the end of July? Our buddy Zach Brazil, who knows the college inside and out, he's going to be in Vegas for the next summer league. He's going to be busy over the next couple of weeks. He's going to try and help us solve some of those problems. I need some help with them. The complicated questions. Right now, the Knicks are a complicated picture, and not in a good way. ZB, my main man, is up next. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kids' education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. So believe it or not, the NBA draft is Thursday. Uh, and life comes at you fast. What can I say? We're a couple of weekends away from 4th of July. The All-Star game will be here before you know it. This guy will be covering college basketball before you know it. So I figured to get a sense of the draft, he's going to be doing Knicks the next couple of weeks, and he's giddy about his first-place Mets. The esteemed Zach Braziller, our New York Post extraordinaire, is back on New York, New York. How are you, buddy? What's going on? Hey, man. I'm... You know, should be it's a fun it's a fun time. The New York baseball teams never lose except for today. Today, uh, I think because you came on the podcast today, <laughs> the Yankees and the Mets both had to lose. Just saying. It's funny, they both hit grand slams yesterday and they both give up grand slams today. And both yuck up leads. The Yankee lead a little yeah. bigger than the Met lead. But in all seriousness, ZB, this is a game if you lose it last year, year before that, it's really gonna eat at me. When the Yankees are playing the way that they're playing and the Mets are playing the way that they're playing, how can you be in a miserable mood about the baseball teams? I'm sorry. No, like, I look past it. I'm like, all right, the, the Yankees won the series. What are you going to do? There's a, there's a certain, certain mutual friend of ours who probably thinks the season's over after Or today. that the sky is falling or that, you know, this all of a sudden is going <laughs> to be the jump start for Toronto and surpassing the Yankees in the AL East. And I hope that I'm not eating these words over the next couple of months. Uh, before we get to all the basketball, we're now almost three months into this baseball season. I think people thought both New York teams would be good. I don't think, ZB, most of baseball thought that they would be this good. Who has surprised you more, the Yankees or the Mets? Oh, the Yankees. Uh, there's no question. I mean, they're, they're on a pace to have the most wins ever in the sport. It's, and, like, I mean, their pitching is just it's incredible. Their starters never go up a run. You know, look, the Mets have had a, that's the crazy thing. The Mets are 20 over in June, first time since 86. And it's, to me, it's not nearly as impressive as what the Yankees have done. Now, look, you could also say the Mets don't have, haven't had the Grom Scherzer's only made eight starts. I think what the Mets have done is, is really impressive. But to me, I mean, the Yankees are 49 and 17. It like, it, they look unstoppable. Now the offense has been really good after, you know, I think the first month or two it was kind of up and down. I mean, you know, it's it's a fun summer. And I mean, I think both teams are going to go and add a lot significant players. I mean, and look, after the just the terrible sports we've had in this town, between the football teams who never make it to Halloween relevant, you know, the the NBA teams who usually aren't any good, it's it's fun to actually like have two teams that, 
you expect to win every day. Listen, it's early. You don't want to put the cart before the horse because there's a long, long way to go. I remember, Zach, I don't even know if you were working for the Post in 2008 when they had the back pages of the Jet Giants Super Bowl with Brett Favre and the, the Giants were coming off the win right. against the New England Patriots. Plaxico shoots himself in the foot. <laughs> Brett Favre ends up getting hurt. The Jets miss the playoffs. So much for that. So I don't want to jump to conclusions yet with a Subway Series because there's a lot of baseball left to be played. But my goodness, dude, the electricity that we are going to have in July and August when those teams match up, it should be, ZB, the most fun Subway Series we've had in a long, long time here in town. Yeah, it's almost a shame they only play four games. No, I like that, man. I like that. Little appetizer. That's it. Give me a little taste. Four games is enough. And we'll find out if I'm going to lose all of my sanity and all of my marbles if there is a Subway Series because I don't know if I can handle it, to be honest with you. Like, how about, I, how about our how about our mutual friend, uh, Mr. E. Halt, during the Subway Series? Oh, forget it. I mean, I think I'm going to be catatonic. He would take it to another level. And let's be honest, E.B., you're not going to admit this. There's more on the line for the Yankees in that series than there is for the Mets. The Mets have lost to the Yankees already. It's oh, been they there, play in the, done oh, that. They play in the World Series? If the Yankees ever lost to the Mets in the World Series, they would never hear the end of it. Never. Yeah, probably. But also, if the Mets lose, that's now twice you've lost to the Yankees. That's now, what, three World Series you lost in a row. I, I agree with you. There, the Yankees have more to lose, but it's not like the Mets wouldn't have a lot to lose. To. Well, and I could live with it, ZB. It would bother me to no end. But I could live with it if the Yankees won the World Series this year and then you want to tell me the Mets beat the Yankees because then I'm, I don't got to have 14 years thrown in my face. I don't have to have 2009 thrown in my face. Like, uh, I, I, my it would be great for the show. I mean, it'd be great for New York City. Would it be great for my blood pressure? No, no. Give me Yankees Dodgers if you want me sleeping easier at night. Just saying. Just saying. I mean, it. I think both have a ton to lose. Hey, let's... Let's just get there. Be, I agree. Uh, we got a long, long story short. We got a long way to go. Okay. Who do, you, who do you think, just real quick, you think the Mets will make bigger moves in July than the Yankees? Yes, because what are the Yankee moves? An outfielder? Yeah. Maybe a bullpen arm? Like, from a Mets standpoint, here's the problem. I thought the Red Sox were the team they were going to trade with. Like, I thought they were the perfect trade partner. Okay, J.D. Martinez. Uh, Nathan Ovaldi, they'd be the trade partner. ZB, that's out now, bro. The Red Sox are not selling off players. The Red Sox are going to go make the postseason because yeah. the bottom of the American League is pretty weak. So the Mets need bullpen help. I mean, Lugo yucking up that game today is obvious. He's not the same guy he was a couple of years ago. They need another guy or two to put alongside Edwin Diaz. But outside of that, ZB, with these lineups, where where exactly are you in the bat? That's my question. At DH for the Mets? The guy, the Mets, to me, the Mets focus in on is David Bednar. I think he, he's terrific, the uh, the Pirates closer. He'd be the guy. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think the Mets need a righty bat. Um, they don't get a lot out of the DH, but to me, the bullpen is so much more important. You know, Are you so. now all in on trusting Diaz? No, I, of course not. But he's been good, though. Listen, he's been you got to be fair. He's going to be an all-star in a couple of weeks. He's been that good for the Mets. No, he's he's been phenomenal. And the guy is doing things that he hasn't done in the past. He's not walking a lot of guys. He's just, you know, the other day, you know, after he gets bailed out on that plate, the plate, he he comes out and strikes the guy out. But, you know, every time I see him pitch, he can easily, you know, lose the strikes and walk three straight guys. It's There's just too much muscle memory of, you know, crushing you not to be nervous with the guy. Yes, and the high-wire act against the Braves, against the Dodgers, against the Yankees. I, I understand some PTSD after what you've seen over the last couple of years. I totally understand it, but to be fair, he's done a wonderful oh, he's, job. He's wonderful shut me job. up. He's been great. He's been great. Let's get to the draft stuff because you're a college basketball guy through and through. You're watching these guys left and right. You're not parachuting in. Would you say this is a very juicy Draft class, would you say this is a very top-heavy draft class? What is your feeling towards the first round that we're going to be looking at come Thursday? Yeah, I think it's good. Um, I don't think it's great. I don't think it's, you know, as maybe, you know, I don't know if there's a John Morant in this draft. Um, you know, I would have said, said a Zion Williamson before he decided not to play basketball anymore. But, you know, um, you know, there are a few guys to me that are just just fascinating. 
Obviously, Chet Holmgren, who's, you know, I think he's, he's got to go be some... the most polarizing player in this yeah. draft, right? He's... Because either you love him or you hate him. I feel like there's no middle ground on Chet. Like, I mean, you either think he's going to be a star or you think he's way too skinny and he's going to get pushed around and not be able to play in the league. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he's clearly a, a boomer bust. I mean, I've talked to a few NBA people who are just like, wait, like, who just think you don't, don't know how you don't think he's a risk. I mean, you don't think Gonzaga tried to put weight on him? I mean, he he's just, with that frame, and I just don't know if he's capable of doing it. Now, he's, you know, he's, he's obviously a great prospect. He shoots threes, he blocks shots, he can handle the ball. But there are just so many questions with his body that, I mean, is he going to be Sean Bradley? Where he's just, you know, can't put on the necessary weight and going to get, you know, injuries and, you know, and get pushed around. I, you know, so obviously he's a big question. Then you have Shaden Sharp, who's the mystery man of this draft, who is, you know, a big-time prospect, went to Kentucky second semester, never played. And now here he is. People think he's going to be, you know, a, a top-five pick. Um, he's obviously another really intriguing guy. There are some people who think he might be the most talented player in the draft. There's some people who think he's really immature and and could be a bust. You know, and then, and then the local guy, A.J. Griffin, who people thought was a top-five, top-six pick, and now there's some talk that maybe he could fall to the Knicks. You know, he's... Wouldn't he fit the Knicks perfectly with the way he can shoot it from three? He'd be hey, a nice pickup for them. I like Griffin. Would. Now, there's some concerns that he doesn't do a lot besides shoot. There's some concerns that he wasn't as athletic this past year that people thought. And, you know, he's got some injury issues. He, he disclosed his knee in high school. He had another injury, knee injury this year. So there's been talk among NBA people that that's really, that maybe that's hurt him athletically. I know I talked to one coach who didn't think he's more than a standstill shooter in the NBA. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think his athleticism will come back. But, you know, he's another interesting, another really, really interesting guy. I think it's a, I think it's a fascinating draft because you've got the, you got Holmgren at the top, you got Sharp, you got Griffin, um, you know, you got some risers like um, Dyson Daniels, the G League kid. And now we see what the Knicks do. I mean, you know, are they going to trade up for Jalen, you know, for Jalen Ivey, which is what I would do? Well, he'd be a perfect fit. And I loved him in college. He was a rock star at Purdue. I don't know what happened in the St. Peter's game. I guess the St. Peter's New York defense got to him, but I'm not going to let one game define Ivy. I'd be giddy ZB if they can move up to four to go and get him. Would you trade? Would you trade Obi Topin? Would you trade? So it'd be Obi Topin and what? Your, your draft pick okay, this year? I think this is what it could. Obi, this year's pick, and then maybe the your your pick next year that I think that belongs to the Mavericks, which probably would be in the twenties. Would you do that? Because this team is in such a dire need for a guard, I would do it. And I, I like Obi a lot. I like Obi a lot. They desperately need a lead guard, and I think I think Jay, Jay Ivey is exactly that guy. He is a lead guard every which way. And yeah, I think he's going to produce. I, I think he's going to produce in the NBA at a high level. So yes, I would make that trade. And the thing with Obi is, as much look, I like him a lot. But as long as Randall's here, what's his role going to be? Well, that's a great question. They need to find a way to dump Randall though, at all costs. Like I don't care if they got to take ten cents on a dollar ZB. They have to try and move this guy. They have to. Hey, I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know what the elixir is, but like. Randall to me is never going to be as good as he was two years ago. Right, right, he was an out and out disaster last year. I don't think he's going to age well over time. If they could foolishly find the taker, I would do it a thousand percent. Right. But it's like you said, it's not going to be easy. And to me, the you know, the, the Knicks have like Barkley said it the other Charles Barkley said it the other day. The, the Knicks have a lot of these jets. They have a lot of just got, you know, just another guy. Were, you know, decent players, but they're, you know, whether it's quickly, whether it's Obi, whether it's, you know, um, Quentin Grimes, they, they don't, they need more difference makers. They have too many just okay young players, you know? Um, so I would, hey, short of trading RJ Barrett, I'd do any, you That's know, basically the one guy, honestly, ZB, where we're talking about, hey, like ways to improve the team. And I'm sure the Donovan Mitchell rumors are going to come up, his tie-ins to New York, his dad working for the Mets. The right. fact that he's at every New York sporting event known to man, like I, I do think there's a good part of Donovan Mitchell that wants to be here. I also think Donovan Mitchell may look at other situations like, I don't know, Miami, that might give him a much better chance to go and win a championship. But 
The only guy that I would be like totally out on when it comes to trading is Bear. Like that, if there's one guy I'm not looking to move, it's him. Other than that, I'd, I'm willing to listen on anybody. I trade Barrett. I trade Barrett for Donovan Mitchell. Well, straight up, but you're gonna have to give up more than that, I would assume. Oh, yeah, but I would, I would not. I but would, here's the like, issue, though, ZB. If they go and trade Barrett for Mitchell, right? You still have to basically rework the entire roster. You know what I mean, dude? You tell me right, they, but, they're gonna have a better team than what the Utah Jazz had over the last couple of years? I don't think so. Okay, but is Barrett ever gonna be Donovan Mitchell? No, probably not. But I think Barrett is that bought. But Barrett's an ascending player who, to me, yeah, fits good. the profile of a guy who's getting better and better and better. Oh, like, he's hands down like the most viable player on the team. And he's young yeah, he's, and he works his ass off, which I like. Which is why, to me, you go and you get a point guard next, you get Ivy and you put him next to him, you have your backcourt for the next 10 years. Well, I'm intrigued. So from what you were hearing around the league, how realistic is it that the Knicks can move up and get to that fourth I mean, pick in the draft? Everyone, look, there's no question the Kings do not need a point guard. They have they have Davion Mitchell, they have Fox. They don't need a point guard now. And the, the talk is that Ivy, who talks tomorrow to the media, Ivy does not want to go to the Kings. Well, I wouldn't wanna... want to go to Sacramento either. Who yeah. would want to go to Sacramento? I mean, right. let's be honest. Who would want to well, go they're, there? They're listening to multiple teams, and you know, it, if the the Knicks want it to happen enough. I don't, I don't, I think they can make it happen. Now, is Leon Rose going to trade his first, first round pick here? Is, is he going to give up future assets? Do they love Jalen? I, they need, the question is, do they love Jaden Ivy enough? Do they think he's a superstar? I don't know that, but I think he's going to be a really good player. And I think there's another thing with Ivy, you know, in college, the NBA game is so much more spaced out. And we're talking about just a kid who's an athletic freak. He's got such a ridiculous first step. I had a scout who said he reminds him of Russell Westbrook, not his overall game, but just his physical attributes when he came into the league. He's just so athletic. And I think he would just, he's going to thrive in the NBA game where there's more space and more room to maneuver. You know, it, to me, it's, it's the dream move because I don't think you're getting Jalen Brunson. I don't think Donovan Mitchell is a realistic thing. I mean, you want Malcolm Brogdon, who's always injured? I don't. They need to find a, a lead guard here. And to me, the most viable scenario is trading up for Ivy. I like it. I'm intrigued. Let's say they're not in on Ivy, though. Let's say they can't make it happen. They got to stay where they're at. If the Knicks are locked into their current draft position, what's the direction they should go? To me, they, they just have to go best player available. BPA? Okay. Yeah, All right. So have. let's throw a couple of names out there. If it's BPA and we're talking about Griffin, we're talking about Mark Williams. We're talking about Johnny Davis. One of those three. Who would be your BPA? I mean, I, I'm going with the guy with the ceiling. I'm going with Griffin. I mean, I know there some teams are a little down on him, maybe because of that athleticism. He's had some injury stuff. But everyone you hear, he's a great talk to. He's a great guy, kid. I mean, he showed he can play on the big stage. He What did he shoot? 45% from three at Duke. I, I know he didn't have a great year, but he was still good. And you put... You know, you, there are two ways to go about it where you're trying to surround Barrett with talent. You obviously want a point guard, but you know another way to go? Surround him with shooting. Because we know how great RJ is going to the basket. We know he's a terrific slasher. You know, you surround him with more shooting. And why not? Go get AJ Griffin, who people think might be the best shooter in this draft. Now, that's what I would do. Now, you know, they've, they've brought in a bunch of guys, whether it's Ty Ty Washington, whether it's the kid from the shooting guard from Kansas, like Baji. Branham from Ohio State. I mean, you know, I would not go for a, I would not go for a big man. I understand Mitchell Robinson. There are questions about you know they want to pay him and all that, but I I'm not using my 11th pick on a big man, especially a big man who's kind of more of an old school type with Duran and Williams, where these aren't guys who can shoot and really can score. They're basically Mitchell Robinson light. Interesting, and I like Williams' game. I think he's going to be a very solid NBA contributor. Yeah. But I totally understand that point when you put it that way. Those guys, especially now, ZB, can be dime a dozen type of players in the NBA. You can find them. I'm not using I'm not using my 11th pick. Like probably the one way I the one thing I have to improve my team because the Knicks don't have cap space and I don't see Brunson happening. My one way to my program too. I'm not using like you said a dime a dozen big man who doesn't fit in the current NBA. Just okay. Not 
So it seems like Ivy would be your number one preference. I'm with you on that. They can't work out a trade for Ivy. You're thinking, go and get yourself a BPA. But you like Griffin more so than Davis, correct? Yeah, Davis, is, Davis didn't shoot threes well last year. That, that would concern me a little bit. You know, I, maybe he's a little better of an athlete. And I know he was, you know, had a really good year. But, I mean, shooting only 30% from three, is, that's got to be a little bit of a red flag for a guy who obviously is going to have to is going to have to shoot the ball well to the next level. Final one. I know you're going to Vegas in a couple of weeks. Summer league experience. It's fantastic. Uh, you're going to love it. First of all, it's Vegas. So anytime you're out in Vegas, it's great. It's like the NBA convention out there. Um, out of any of the summer league dudes, who are you most intrigued to see play in person? Oh, Banchero. I mean, okay. I mean, no, 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 I'm sorry. Not Banchero. Holmgren. 100% home. Because you want to see, hey, can he thrive at the next level? Yeah, maybe I mean, get a look, sense and a feel. Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's different because he's gonna be playing against first and second year guys, but he's just, I mean, he's so far and away the most fascinating player in this draft. It's not even close. Yeah, it's fascinating, dude. Now, are you a Banchero guy or are you a Jabari Smith guy for the first pick? No, I you go Smith. He's just so to me. He is he is Evan Mobley, but but like a better perimeter player. Now he's not quite as good in the paint. But he's that level of player. He he's a terrific shooter. He defends multiple positions. I no, I I go if it was if it was me, I'd pick him one, I'd pick Banchero two, and I'd pick Chet three. I agree with that. That is why great minds think alike, my friend. Great I mean, minds think alike. We are not exactly all aboard the Chet Holmgren train. Uh I, our guy, the great Steve Sarudi, big magic fan, wants him. And listen, maybe Sarudi has the last laugh and He's enjoying a 15-plus year at Chet Holmgren, and he could rub it in my face basically every day over the next couple of years. Well, we'll see how that one works out. There might be a couple of beverages or a steak dinner on the line. But, buddy, don't be a stranger. You know where to find us. And uh, hopefully the next time you're not bringing the uh, the black cloud of a Yankee and a Met loss on the same day, all right? <laughs> no problem, man. No problem. My good times, good time as always. And, uh, you know, Maybe uh, we get a Subway series in October. Huh? Oh, sign me up for that right now. But there'll be a lot more conversations for me and you between now and then. Enjoy Vegas. Remember, hard six, hard eight, 1933 <laughs> on the roulette wheel. Remember I said that. Thank me later. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, man. That's our main man, Zach Brazil of the New York Post. Come back and hopefully follow up a terrific trivia performance from a week ago. That's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford, or its affiliates. So good stuff there from our buddy ZB. I would love Ivy on the Knicks. I would absolutely love Ivy on the Knicks. I'd love to see that happen. I don't know how feasible. I don't know how realistic it is. But I can dare to dream, right? Between now and Thursday. I'm in an optimistic mood. How could you not be with the baseball teams in town? So uh, I'm going to dare to dream a little bit. Now, before we hit trivia, U.S. Open today was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You had basically a three-horse race. Fitzpatrick, Willie Z, and Scheffler. It really ended up evolving into a two-horse race with Fitzpatrick and with Willie Z down the stretch, where at the beginning of the front nine, it felt like nobody wanted to win it, and then the back nine, everybody wanted to win it, and everybody was playing their best golf. Fitzpatrick's hitting putts out of his mind. The ball striking from Zalia Torres was top-notch. The fact, though, that Fitzpatrick on 18 goes into that bunker, Zalia Torres is center cut right down the middle, and for Fitzpatrick with a one-stroke lead to hit that shot out of the bunker, boom, set himself up for par, he earned it. No other way around it, he earned it. I fell for Willie Z. I thought his putt was going in on 17, didn't go in. I definitely thought his putt was going in on 18, didn't want to fall. He is so close. He's turning into like the Susan Lucci of major tournaments. Runner up here, loses in a playoff there. Will Zaliatoris is going to win a major within the next two to three years. There's not a doubt in my mind. He's too good. He's too damn close. 
He strikes the ball way too well. Hats off to Fitzpatrick, though, who earned it every which way. So I was into the golf today. How could you not be? The baseball ended. It's Father's Day. I'm sitting at home. I'm waiting for a thousand uh, plates of food. My mom, I mean, God bless her, but she wanted to feed us like with 300-pound people. It's crazy. It's just absolutely insane the amount of food that she ended up putting our way. But how could I not be into the golf? And I'm hoping for some inspiration when I'm out there with Beningo on Tuesday. I'll give a scouting report on that on Thursday. But anyway, trivia time. Larry, the floor is yours, amigo. JJ, Larry in Florida. Question one. What three Yankee Yankees got 40 or more saves besides, had 40 or more save seasons besides Rivera? Question two. Who currently leads the AL in walks? Hint. He plays in the AL West. I'm out. All right, Larry. Two fascinating questions. Three Yankees, 40 plus saves. Not named Mariano Rivera. Okay. Guess number one. The legend, Goose Gossage. Wow. The Goose never got to 40 saves. Wow. Surprised by that. Number two. Dave Rigetti. One down, two to go. Number two, Sparky Lyle. No, okay. All right, now that I got the old timers out of the way, Rigetti is one. Number two, John Wetland. Two down, one to go, and Wetland definitely had 40 saves in the 1996 season. I have two guesses I'm going to throw out there. One is an obvious one. The other, not so obvious. I'm going to go with the obvious. Stefan Aroldis Chappie. Chappie never got to 40 saves with the Yankees. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it makes sense. Injuries, 17, he lost the closes role. 16, he was suspended. COVID. I would have figured though Chapman would have gotten 40 saves one of those years with the Yankees. All right, I think I got the last one because it's very obscure. Is it Rafael Soriano? I'm proud of myself for that one. I know this took me a while, this trivia question. There were a lot of names to throw out there, but I didn't get a hint. I went through the closers. We got there. It was a, a, a long and winding road, to quote Paul McCartney, but we got there. By the way, happy 80th birthday to the freaking legend. How good was that show? I mean, I, I didn't talk about it yet on the pod. It was absolutely insane. Paul, still at the top of his game, energy up the wazoo. Brings out Bruce Springsteen. I got I got a feeling which they synced with John Lennon's voice. I mean, it was just unbelievable stuff. Such a good show. I'm so, there. There are moments in your life you're like, wow. I'm glad I was exactly where I was at. This was one of those moments. I didn't even get to talk about the concert yet. I mean, it feels that it's crazy, crazy. Don't get me started. All right, we got one more trivia question. Leading the American League in walks. And he happens to play in the AL West. I'm going to go with Mike Trout. It is not my. It is not Mike Trout. I'm surprised by that. If it is not Mike Trout, okay. Is it Jordan Alvarez? It is not Jordan Alvarez. Jeez. Lead the AL in walks in the American League West. I, 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 I'm, I'm at a loss here. Right, I'm taking one more guess and I'm waving the white flag. Is it, is it Shohei Otani? I, I have no idea. Who the hell is this, Stefan? I give up on this question. I'm over it. Jesse Winkler. He does walk a lot. I would not have put him number one on the list, though, Jesse Winker. I would not have had him number one on the list. I, full disclosure, it would have probably taken me about 15 guesses to get to Jesse Winker. So job well done by Larry. I delivered on the Yankee one. American League leader in walks, we were, we were slacking a little bit. We were slacking. It happens. All right, Jeff Money. Limited card these days. All you got is the NHL and some Major League Baseball. So what is on the Monday docket, my man? 
What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. It'll be for Monday the 20, and I hope everyone had a very happy uh, Father's Day there. Okay, we got an NHL action. Game three, the Tampa Bay Lightning are down 2-0. They're going for their game three uh, home game. This is like a do or die for them. How can that go with Tampa Bay? A defending champ. Got to go with the Tampa Bay Lightning minus the 110. That's what I'm going to go with, JJ. Let's see if we're uh, in agreement on that. And always, everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Look, Tampa Bay is a team that's got a lot of pride. They're two-time Stanley Cup champs. I wouldn't pick against them here in this spot. But my goodness, Colorado has looked like a freight train in the first two games of this series. I'm with you on the Lightning, but I would tread lightly. That would be my advice, tread lightly. So here's the uh, dealio for the rest of the week. Tuesday. Nightly, after Yankees, after Mets. And full disclosure, it's probably going to be a late night because the Yankees are playing in Tampa and the Mets are playing the Astros. Before I do television, probably sign on around 11, 11.30. We'll Spotify Live after Mets, Astros, after Yankees, Rays. Good baseball night. So we'll have some fun with that. We'll do some draft stuff. And then on Thursday, we will be rocking right after the NBA draft. We'll see what the Knicks decide to do. Is there a trade on the horizon? All of a sudden, free agency is going to be right around the corner. What can the Knicks do as far as that goes with limited cap space? Interesting questions. We'll see if they're answered in the way you want them answered. But fun show across the board. Good to be back. Stefan, fabulous job. Enjoy your week, everybody. Enjoy it. It's the end of June. The weather is fantastic. Summer in the city. I'm not going to sing the Love and Spoonful song. You don't need me to sing. I did enough singing at the uh, McCartney concert. On that note, JJ out. We'll chat on Tuesday on Spotify Live. We're back here in podcast form on Thursday. Be good, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates.